Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in today, and I hope you're doing well. hope you are maintaining that biblical perspective, and, you know, we need that eternal perspective as uh, so many things that we're dealing with here in the country, in our culture, and even in our churches and can really get the best of you if you are not walking with the Lord, being led by His Spirit, and trying to keep that Keep seeking first the kingdom of God. So we're going to pray to open up the hour. Today we're going to go through a lot of news stories and a lot of topics that we really need to be reminded about, particularly um, the First Amendment. We're going to talk about Christian founders and some of the th- quotes that they shared. And because, uh, you know, history, as you know, is being rewritten and edited. Some would call it deconstructed. And of course, the social media battle, uh, the cancel culture. We've gonna, we're gonna talk about a little bit about that. A story about Israel today and a little bit more. A great story, good report about, um, some slaves freed in the Sudan and also, um, the purge, not just from social media, but from the entire internet. What's happening to this free republic under God? Well, I'm not sure we're under God anymore. That's up for debate, but. That doesn't mean there aren't Christians and believers here trying to fight the good fight. So let's open, as we always do, asking God for help. Lord, thank you for another chance to talk about these things and try to look at the world through that biblical lens, look at our culture and our country with a Christian worldview, Lord, trying to stand on your word and applying the truths we know from Scripture to what is happening all around us. We recognize that you are in control. You are sovereign. You set up kings and you depose kings and you prepare works for each one of us to do individually. And Father, help us, believers in Christ, to control what we can control and just focus on that and not worry about events and things that are outside of our control, especially what may or may not happen in the future. Strengthen us today, Lord. Thank you for daily bread. Thank you for the health that we have, and thank you for the ability to speak your truth. Help us to hear from you today, and give us your heart, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start off with a couple scriptures from 1 John chapter 5 before we get into some of these news stories. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and follow his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whoever has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our Faith. Verse 5. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. First John 5, first five verses. Okay. One thing I want to share real quick. 
Um, it, I'm just about done editing my new book, um, and then I submit it to a new publisher so I could use your prayers for that, God's Will to Be Done. And if that's not going to be the publisher for this book, then I'll move on to the next uh, step. But um, I talk about the separation of Christianity and state. <laughs> it's the, the lie, the second biggest lie in America, the separation of church and state is the second biggest lie. You're going, what's the, what's the biggest lie? Evolution. Let's talk about this for a minute. I shared this quote on my social media a couple days ago by Fisher Ames. He was a founding father. He was the author of the First Amendment. Very influential. I talk about a brainiac. I think he went to Harvard when he was like 12, 12 years old or something. Uh, anyway, he said this, why should not the Bible regain the place it once held as a school book? Its morals are pure. Its examples are captivating and noble. The reverence for the sacred book that is thus early impressed lasts long. And probably, if not impressed in infancy, never takes firm hold of the mind. He's talking about raising godly children, raising Christian children. And he's talking about you know, a lot of founders, several, you can, you can find all kinds of quotes about teaching the Bible in public schools. Of course, back then they didn't have public schools. There was no government run education sent, uh, system. So they were teaching kids at the church. So they had a, they knew what was going on in their culture and in what was happening in the world. Well, not necessarily the world. They didn't have world news like we do today, instant 24 seven. But they were brought up in the scriptures and the truth of scriptures, right? That's why they had such a solid foundation. Oh, we've strayed so long, so far from those days. But anyway, oh, one more thing. Harvard University, I wrote about this um, many years ago, that their first motto was truth for Christ and the church. You can look it up. I think it was um, 16, was it 1636? 1692 was when they came up with the logo, I think, or motto. So Harvard University, Truth for Christ and the Church. They put out ministers. They taught theology, biblical theology. You had to know scripture. You had to know some Latin to be able to translate some scriptures and to be able to explain them. And so the first, I think, 10 or 12 graduates from Harvard were ministers of the gospel and pastors. John Harvard, he was a pastor. He was a evangelical Christian who started Harvard University, right? So their first motto, truth for Christ and the church. And then about 150 years later, I think it was 1836, they changed it to just Veritas. So it went from truth for Christ and the church to truth, because Veritas means truth, right? So my question is, you remove Christ and you remove the church Whose veritas are you teaching? What worldview are you going after? And it, obviously it's the secular worldview without the Bible, without Christ. And this is what we have today in our education system as a whole, from the university top down, university all the way down to kindergarten and preschool. Um, they are teaching secular philosophies and ideas, worldly ideas. We have conformed to the world and Kids now go to the public schools, which is run by 
government. Did you know that 98% of donations of the teachers' unions, the National Education Association, they go to Democrats? 98%. Let that sink in for a minute. Whose worldview are they teaching your kids? So anyway, back to, to Harvard. It went from truth for Christ and the church. 150 years later, it goes to just Veritas. And now at Harvard University, freshman class, when they come in to register, you can re- register as one of, I don't know how many genders now. Is it 50 different genders? And they have their uh, diversity clubs and inclusion clubs and tolerance clubs, which they don't allow Christians in those clubs. But um, you know what I'm saying? But this is Harvard University. So I just explained to you, the, in a nutshell, condensed how Harvard and universities in America started out. Oxford, Yale, Princeton, all they started out as Christian universities. Almost, you could almost call them theological centers. But they were uni- public universities, right? Private universities, public universities. So now Oxford, a couple years ago, comes out with the Oxford Dictionary, the word of the year, Post-truth. Isn't that interesting? So now you kind of remove truth because you've, you had to remove God. You had to remove the biblical worldview to get to this post-truth culture. Now we're calling our modern culture post-Christian, right? So this is just an idea. So back to this quote by Fisher Ames about why should not the Bible regain its place it once held as a school book? So someone comments on that quote on my personal um, Facebook profile and says, all, all he said was separation of church and state. This is the second biggest lie America has fallen for. The devil is in the details. We are deceived. As you know, we talked about this many times. Forgive me for being redundant. The separation of church and state is not found anywhere in our Constitution or its essence. It was taken from a private letter from Jeff- to Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist Connecticut Association of the Baptist Church at that time. I believe it was 1802 in a letter where he said, no, we're not going to favor one denomination over another because I think at that time the Episcopals were kind of had a little bit more power and the Baptists were concerned. So this was a denominational question. This was a faith question. This wasn't a question of taking Christian influence and building a big wall and not influencing America, not influencing culture with salt and light. That is the biggest lie next to evolution. So I just want to share that with you guys. You've got to get up to speed on that so you can know how to respond to this because I didn't respond to that, so you can, I'm not patting myself on the back. But I look at these comments and go, well, I, yeah, he doesn't get it. I mean, and there's a lot of people that just don't get it, right? So now um, let's go to a positive story here. National syndicated uh, television radio host Eric Metaxas and, and uh, Christian Solidarity International, they've set an all-time record of 1,600 slaves freed in the Sudan. This was just released a few days ago. The human rights organization, uh, CSI, Christian Solidarity International, and Eric Metaxas partnered together with a goal of freeing at least 350 Sudan slaves before Christmas last year. The campaign surpassed their expectations as they raised enough money to free 1,600 Christian and non-Muslim people from slavery in Sudan. 1,600 slaves freed. Yes, there is slavery in several countries around the world. 
But America is racist and evil, right? So CSI is doing amazing work in countries all over the world because they have been effective in freeing Christians who are enslaved. Eric Metaxas said they are true freedom fighters combating modern-day slavery. We have to understand this is happening outside of our borders, outside of this country, outside of North America, guys. We, I, I know most of you know that, but it's good to hear these stories. We know people are working on it, and God bless them, those who are, that are raising awareness about slavery around the world and child trafficking, which takes place, which is a mega-billion-dollar business. Anyway, um, the practice of slavery was revived in 1983 when the Arab Muslim government of Sudan armed militia groups encouraged them to raid southern villages, steal their property, and take their women and children as slaves. So it got revved up again, apparently, in 1983, and it's still going on today. So with Christian Solidarity International's assistance, um, there's an underground railroad of Africans and Arabs working together. They've grown into a network that has freed over 100,000 people mostly Christians, in all these years. So here's how they do it. With about $250 of a donation, CSI frees a slave in exchange for much-needed cattle vaccine. Each liberated person is given a survival kit of essential items, a dairy goat, food, health care, plus safe passage back to their families and communities if their families are still there. CSI project manager Franco Majak says that they have made great strides, but there are still over 35,000 people who remain enslaved right there in that area. Um, many uh, daily sustenance needs are ongoing. So last year, CSI helped feed over 6,000 families, saving many from starvation. And he said freeing slaves is our first step, but we also must make sure they have what they need to live and thrive after their captivity is over. It is my hope and prayer to live and see every South Sudanese slave freed. This is more than just work to me. It is a calling. The website is csi-usa.org. csi-usa.org. I will put it in the podcast notes at standupforthetruth.com. You can get that later today. Um, you can donate, again, $250 frees a slave and gives them uh, a dairy goat, health care, and safe passage back to uh, where they were taken from. So isn't that a good story? I had to get into that one before I get into some of this other garbage. Um, okay, one more of, of interest here. We don't hear a lot about Israel in the American media, uh, and I understand why, uh, but we as Christians should really be concerned. We should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We should pray for Israel and the people of Israel, the secular nation, to come back to their Messiah, right? Um, so there, there are some Christians over there, obviously, but it is a secular nation, just like America. Um, so we should be pro-Israel. And as it says in Genesis twelve three, God says, I will bless those who bless you. It's talking to Israel, and I will curse those who curse you. Very important <laughs> out of the many reasons to support Israel, right? And President Trump was one of the most pro-Israel presidents, probably since Reagan and then uh, since others. But anyway, so this article came out. Um, Jerusalem, <laughs> Israelis are asking, why hasn't the new U.S. president called their prime minister yet? Um, how long has old Joe been in office? I think 
is it three weeks, four weeks? I don't know. Um, inaugurated. So he hasn't, apparently hasn't reached out to one of our most important allies. And from a biblical and Christian perspective, um, that should be a top priority, but it's not. We know, we know that. We're not surprised because we remember the O'Biden, o- I mean, sorry, the Obama administration, uh, how they thumbed their nose at, at Israel. So, but this story here, um, before we get into the purge, uh, not just from social media and, uh, David Limbaugh's article in Jewish World Review I thought was fascinating. Um, Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo in New York, finally the truth has come out. Uh, He lied, and I don't, you know, liberal Democrats just are not held accountable in America any longer. He's above the law like the Clintons and the Obamas and everybody else. Uh, If you're a liberal Democrat, you're above the law. Sorry if I sound jaded, forgive me, but this is just, I've seen decades and decades of this kind of, um, not necessarily being a news hound, but kind of keeping, keeping updated on what's happening in culture, politics, the news and around the world and trying to be informed. There's a lot I'm learning. There's a lot I need to learn, but, uh, I can t- tell you that. Um, so what happened? An aide finally broke her silence. Her name is, I guess, Melissa DeRosa. She admitted that Cuomo in New York hid nursing home data so the feds wouldn't find out. She privately apologized. You can find this over the New York Post. She apologized to uh, Democratic lawmakers for withholding the state's nursing home death toll from COVID-19 and telling them we froze out of fear that the true numbers would be used against us by federal prosecutors. Yes, they should have. Instead, they blame it on Trump. The stunning admission of a cover-up was made by Secretary to Governor Melissa DeRosa during a video conference call with state Democratic leaders in which she said the Cuomo administration had rebuffed a legislative request for the tally back in August of 2020 because, quote, right around that same time, then-President Donald Trump turns this into a giant political football, according to this audio recording from the two-hour meeting. Yeah, so Trump turned it into a political thing? I don't think so. I mean, just think about that. Stop right there in this story. Pause. Think about the vaccine. Biden came out yesterday, I think, and he's complaining that there's not enough vaccines, and he's blaming it on Trump. Who said Trump would never come up with the vaccine as fast? Who said the Trump administration, it's impossible, you'll never do that? Oh, here comes Operation Warp Speed. Here comes the vaccine. And now they're not enough. If you can, they're going to find a way to twist something to try to blame. They're not going to take responsibility for anything. If there's any problems going forward, people dying from COVID today, it's Trump's fault. We know that, friends. We know we've got to boycott the Democrat media and liberal activists who are pretending to be reporters. So back to this story. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, in addition to attacking Cuomo's fellow Democrat governors, DeRosa said, Trump directed the Department of Justice to do an, invest- an investigation into us, meaning New York because of their cover-up of the COVID deaths in nursing homes. 
So it's Trump's fault that he wanted to investigate New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and what was happening in New York City in the nursing homes. And then she said, and we basically froze, she told the lawmakers. So, oh, I'm sorry, this is, it's, it's hard to, because then we were in a position where we weren't sure if what we we're going to do, uh, what we we're going to give as far as numbers to the Department of Justice. And we, what, what we start saying, it was going to be used against us. Well, we weren't sure if there was going to be an investigation. That played a very large role into this. So after dropping this bombshell, DeRosa asked for a little bit of appreciation of the context and offered what appears to be the Cuomo administration's first apology for its handling of nursing homes, mishandling of the elderly at nursing homes during the pandemic. What do you say to grieving family members who lost someone in a nursing home? More than 13,000 dead seniors. And that's just, who knows if that number is even accurate. So that's a story that we're going to hear. Hopefully we'll hear more of that. Please um, share. When you, when you see it on social media, share it. I don't think the secular outlets, most of them will not share it, but there's a few conservative outlets that will share this story. Again, Cuomo Aid. Melissa DeRosa admits they hid nursing home data so the feds wouldn't find out. Instead, is Trump's fault. All right, we've got to take a break and uh, get back to some more stories and change the topic. When we come back, we'll talk about the cancel culture a little bit in The Purge. And, um, oh, by the way, um, one little thing about how they handle um, prosecutions. Instead of them being prosecuted in New York, Cuomo, and the nursing home deaths, they said, no, it's Trump. Trump is making this political. So they're trying to, to divert attention, right? They're trying to divert attention. When we come back, I'm going to share a quick story for those of you that don't know about what Kamala Harris did when she was the attorney general in California and how she prosecuted citizens who revealed, exposed some corruption in a major corporation in America, but Kamala Harris prosecuted them. More on Stand Up For The Truth when we come back. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Another one bites the dust. YouTube, LifeSite, uh, they killed LifeSite's channel. Apparently, every video completely gone. LifeSite, of course, a very pro-life and um, the Christian worldview for the most part, but YouTube deleted a, their outlet's channel for violating COVID-19 misinformation policy, they told uh, Daily Caller. Um, th- 300,000 followers they had on their YouTube, and it's, apparently they said it's not a temporary ban. Every single one of our videos is completely gone. Uh, thankfully, we have backups of our videos, but that means hundreds of thousands of people have lost access to truth-telling content. So LifeSite is... Gone, apparently, now on YouTube. So back to this story. Um, you know how the uh, Cuomo administration there in New York, not surprisingly, handled their corruption and cover-up. They tried to point the figure at, finger at Trump. So what did Kamala Harris do? And we've reported on this in the past, but we have a lot of new listeners since we first broke this story. Um, Kamala Harris has received a lot of money from Planned Parenthood. No surprise, right? At one point, a couple of years ago, it was $81,000 for her campaign. But anyway, 
When she announced her run for president a year or so ago, David DeLayden, citizen journalist for Center for Medical Progress, CMP, he tweeted this. It's a bad joke for Kamala Harris to say she's running for, quote, truth, justice, decency, equality, freedom, and democracy, end quote. When she weaponized the powers of law enforcement to attack my First Amendment civil rights as a citizen journalist at the bidding of her Planned Parenthood packed donors and backers, end quote. So in 2016, this was five years ago now, as California Attorney General Kamala Harris personally met with executives from Planned Parenthood and ordered a search warrant to steal David DeLayden's videos and documents. And, of course, you guys don't know this, but California law actually protects citizen journalists. But the heavily armed raid was carried out anyway at DeLayden's home at 6 in the morning with a SWAT team. The lead investigator under Harris at the time testified in court that he did not examine the evidence, but did what he was instructed to do by Kamala Harris and the AG, uh, Attorney General's Office in California. And here's your takeaway, friends. Kamala Harris launched an investigation not into the corruption and federal laws broken, the trafficking of aborted baby body parts by Planned Parenthood. On tape, Planned Parenthood employees, executives admitting and saying and really trying to squabble over prices. It's a federal crime. So she did not launch an investigation into them, but into the citizen journalists who exposed the corruption. I believe there's a new court case now. Uh, there's, it's kind of been a back and forth thing depending on what judge they get. But that's how the left responds to their own corruption, cover-ups, and attacking those who are telling the truth. Isn't that interesting? We can almost, that's kind of like a theme today. So let's go to this article by Rachel Alexander now. The Purge, not just from social media, but from the entire internet. Um, we've learned by now that purges are happening on social media. They're not just aimed at extremists, as the left first claimed. Oh, it's just those extreme people. They're gradually moving the goalposts to share, I'm sorry, to snare the rest of us conservatives too. Toward the beginning of the purges, the left claimed that they were just banning people who incited or threatened violence. That, of course, we couldn't do that when it came to Black Lives Matter riots and protests right around the country when they were burning buildings and vandalizing and looting. We couldn't say anything about that. But uh, they just claimed they were taking care of only those who were threatening violence. But then it moved to banning people who posted, quote, false memes. <laughs> Never mind, some of these are opinions or satire. But now the excuses are flying like crazy. Anything from the questioning of results of a presidential election to promoting MAGA, Make America Great Again, which they're claiming is synonymous with white supremacy. Lies, lies, lies. And the media is complicit. Don't listen to the communists who are on a lot of your TV channels 
supposedly reporting news. It is terrifying for those of us who make a living dependent on social media, she says, and that's a lot of us because it's primary method for advertising products and services. Much of society's political debate and organizing takes place on social media. Now big tech gets away with it because they are private companies and not subject to the First Amendment. Unfortunately, the purging doesn't stop with social media. We've already seen, we are already seeing other types of platforms ban conservatives. YouTube, which is owned by Google, kicked conservatives off. I mean, GoFundMe, PayPal, um, WordPress, and the list goes on. Of course, we know Amazon banned Parler from its cloud hosting service. Um, the, what else? I'm just trying to skip through this article. Um, API, PayPal, GoDaddy, Stripe, and Medium have cut off their connections Um Gab is another social media site that conservatives have been migrating to. I've, I haven't joined it yet, but I heard that's a good alternative. I've got a list of them here. Is Gab on there? Yes, Gab Social. Let me just share you this list while I, while I got sidetracked. Alignable, which I think is kind of like a LinkedIn. Brave browser. By the way, if you guys don't have DuckDuckGo, please download that. DuckDuckGo. Instead of Google, don't use Google anymore if you can avoid it. Um, DuckDuckGo. Also, Clout Hub, Dat Chat, Dub Smash, Gab Social, MeWe, Parlor, which hopefully will come back, but I'm not too optimistic at this point. It's a shame. Rumble, which is kind of like a video, you know, like YouTube. Signal, Telegram, USA.life, which I believe is run by a Christian, and Wimkin, W I M K I N. So those are just some alternatives for Christians, conservatives, patriots, libertarians, independents, and the few uh, conservative or moderate Democrats that might be interested. Um, so that's the, this the idea, though, that this is, she calls it a purge. And, man, did we ever think, let's just go back five years, go back before Donald Trump was elected. Do we ever think that we would be in this place where free speech and religious freedoms are being attacked so openly and silenced without apology, right? Did we ever think? I mean, we didn't. We had no idea. Okay, so how far will they get, she says. So far, in just a short time since Joe Biden took office, the left has become begun imploding a bit, feuding between factions since their beliefs rely on special interests, not consistent principles. This will make it harder for them to move fast and come to a consensus on banning us. So that's an interesting take, huh? They want to purge 75 to 100 million of us, but that number includes their family members, close friends, and business associates among these people who don't want socialism and communism in America. If your wife has been doxxed by the left, it's probably going to affect your income and may even affect your own job because the left frequently targets family members of those they go after. Removing Section 230, 230 protections from big tech would be a big step in the right direction, but it's only chipping away at the tip of the iceberg. The right needs to get better at participate, I'm sorry, at anticipating the left's next moves, because that's how they operate in chess moves far down the road. For example, we need to get our own representatives in 
ICANN, I-C-A-N-N. Also, our own ISPs, broadband providers, and build our own data centers in Internet hub cities in order to become carrier agnostic. I asked Ward, uh, this man she, she talked to, if the left is able to kick us off ISPs, will we need to start from scratch installing a second layer of cable in the ground? I was hoping he would dismiss my fear as baseless, but he didn't. This is how far they could go to drive us out. And that's, that's, that, these are thoughts of communism. Um, I told a very intelligent friend, friend of mine about it, and he didn't deny it. Instead, he just joked. This was a liberal Democrat. He said, jokingly, soon your side will be communicating with smoke signals. Ha, 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 ha. So what does that tell you? This conservative and a liberal friend of hers, so we got a conservative and a liberal Democrat, they're friends, but he is joking, saying, ha, ha, we're cutting off your free speech, and soon you guys won't be able to communicate. Isn't that interesting? that people who aren't necessarily the activists wanting to silence everybody, they're not arguing against it. In other words, they're not in your corner, friends. And that is what has divided America as well. Because there are two sides and there is no way to coexist at this point. I'm sorry, this is America, but we've got to be real. We've got to wake up to the fact. Even the church is divided, and you know that. The church is divided. (sighs) Friends, um, we have to stand on the Word of God. We have to know that He is sovereign and in control, but we have a fight on our hands in the meantime, and the enemy wants to take us down. Um, I want to direct you, I'm going to put a link in our podcast notes to a great interview of Senator Josh Hawley, who is a Christian, it's called Standing Strong Against the Cancel Culture. Focus on the Family put it up on their website. It already has 16,000 views, so thank God for them. But um, I want to move to, let's see, so many articles here. Let me move to another quote real quick. George Whitfield, he said, Resolve for Christ. Resolve against the devil and his works and go on fighting the Lord's battles against the devil and his emissaries. Attack him in the strongest holds he has. Fight him as, fight him as men, as Christians, and you will soon find him to be a coward. Resist him and he will fly from you. Uh, it reminds me of James 4, 7 and 8. I believe it says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We must fight. We must resist. I love that this says we have to fight the devil and his emissaries. I think it was Terry James over at Rapture Ready that put it this way. We have to fight demonic, uh, no, fight the forces of evil, both human and demonic. So that means there's a spiritual battle that we are fighting. And that also means there is a battle in the natural that we are fighting in our culture, in our country, in our families, in our schools, in government, in politics. These are fights we must continue. And, of course, um, 
One more scripture I want to share with you over at 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage battle according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful to the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So I mentioned that video with Josh Hawley, a little background on him. Remember what happened to him last month? A mob outside of his home in Virginia. He has two residents because he's a senator from Missouri. So he's got a home in Missouri, and he's in D.C. too. He has a place outside of D.C. in Virginia. A mob gathered outside his home when he wasn't there to intimidate him and his family. They vandalized his property. They had the, meg- the what do you call those? Um, yeah, megaphones, I guess. His wife had to file a criminal complaint against the organizer of the protest. Josh Hawley wasn't home, and he tweeted this at the time. Tonight, while I was in Missouri, Antifa scumbags came to our place in D.C. and threatened my wife and newborn daughter who can't travel. They screamed threats, vandalized, and tried to pound open our door. Let me be clear, my family and I will not be intimidated by left-wing violence. So it's not just the Republicans in Senate or the Congress, the House of Representatives that supported Donald Trump, that are receiving threats. Now Democrats want to threaten anyone who supports them. Remember Katie Couric, the discredited CBS, former CBS uh, news entertainer, who said um, you almost have to deprogram Trump supporters she called uh, it a trump a cult the cult of trump so that leads into this story about for the people act hr1 it's back pelosi's power grab hr1 is also known as for the people <laughs> it's for the people right well last year it died because the senate was reco- re- controlled by republicans this year it didn't uh, this year, they're trying to push it through again with Democrat control of the House, Senate, and the presidency. Biden will do whatever they want, whatever they, he's ordered to do and told. So here it comes again. The provisions of this bill would take power from the states and federalize elections, the very opposite of what most people in America want. But, hey, that's never stopped tyrannical politicians before, right? Why does this matter? Well, one thing we'll get to, and I'll come back and finish this in a minute. One thing we'll get to is... They want to have a public database, a searchable database of anyone who donated to groups that are conservative, nonprofit, or Republican so they can cancel these people, so they can intimidate these people. You and I, private citizens, we're not just talking about senators and Congress people. We're talking about they want to find anyone who supports Republicans or conservatives. So... I'll finish this up because I really want to get into the bullet points of HR1. We've got to take a break. When we come back, we'll finish this article. Also, uh, David Limbaugh has a great article over at Jewish World Review we will touch on. And Bill Maher is at it again, labeling Christians and lying. More on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth. With David Fiorazzo. All right, so to continue this article on HR1, what is it? According to the Heritage Foundation, 
Uh, it micromanages the election process and imposes unconstitutional mandates on the states. We touched on this a little bit with John Haller yesterday, but the bill interferes with the ability of states and their citizens to determine qualifications for voters and to ensure the accuracy of voter rolls. So as if election integrity is not already a massive problem in this country, the Democrats want to make it worse. And we, all right, I'm not even going to, also notice how the left gives these radical bills such wonderful sounding names, right? (laughs) HR1, for the people act. It's like, it's for the people, right? Um, It's just another attempt at gaining power. They want to make laws, national, federal. Remember all these issues we had with the election in 2020? Don't worry about it. They'll all go away if they can federalize everything, make all the states uh, comply or conform, I should say. So they they will take H.R. 1. It uses key elements of California's election law as a leftist guide. It opens the doors for less secure ballots. And other provisions. One huge concern, though, as we mentioned before we took a break, for Christians, conservatives, Republicans that just want to donate money and not have people come after you for doing it, this would force religious nonprofits to publish the names of their donors so the left can then go after and bully and intimidate and cancel anyone who gives money to Republicans. Now, notice, friends, the double standard. Did you ever notice that Democrats never have to worry about any cause they support? They never have to worry about being canceled or bullied or intimidated into submission or silenced when it comes to who they support in elections or who they give money to. Why is that? Because we, it's dangerous. What I'm, I'm going to give you the answer and it's dangerous. We have now accepted a double standard as fact and we can't do anything about it anymore so we just roll over in america with our constitution and our our freedoms and the first amendment we accept this and say yeah i know well they can just intimidate us and cause us to lose our jobs they can sue us and come after us intimidate our families and we can't do anything we of course no one can go after them this is wrong it's demonic because the core of all this is spiritual, right? Our struggle is not against flesh and but blood, but it is against powers and principalities and spiritual forces in the darkness. That's what's driving this underlying war. It's a worldview war, right? God or man. So do you see how H.R. 1 is a top legislative priority of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer? Um, and by the way, the subject comes up, how do you pray for these people? <laughs> we could have a really long conversation on that, but I pray that God would save them. Um, sometimes I don't, I want judgment now. I want him to condemn them forever in hell. Uh, but that's not a godly attitude. That's not biblical. We want people to be saved. Uh, we are forgiven of our sins there, but for the grace of God go we. So I also say that I also ask God, would you please remove them from power, remove their influence from the political realm, from legislation, remove their leadership, take them down a few notches. If you have to break them, we'll let God, you know, decide how to do that. But break their hearts, convict them of their sins, Lord, save them, remove them from power. That's how I pray for some of these people. I prayed that for Barack Obama. 
didn't work, but, uh, you know, God hears our prayers. Um, let's see. I'm not saying prayers don't work. You understand, right? So forcing nonprofits, though, to disclose the identities of their donors would create a public database for anyone to search and identify who is donating to conservative or Republican groups. Now, this is dangerous. So H.R. Uh, 1, bullet points. It prohibits voter ID requirements. It restricts signature matching. Don't worry about that. It allows automatic voter registration. It puts limits on systems, data required, and time frames by which states can remove voters from voter rolls. Out-of-state voters, dead voters, no, no problem. It takes redistricting out of the control of state legislatures. It prohibits states from redistricting felons, or restricting, I'm sorry, from preventing felons from voting. And Democrats want felons to vote. So I'm just being honest with you, friends. I'm a conservative. I'm a Christian first. I try to see everything through a biblical uh, worldview, but I'm a Christian first conservative then. And typically in most elections, I vote Republican. I I do not stand behind everything the Republicans do. But you cannot possibly argue from a biblical standpoint, scripturally, for policies that the Democrats are unleashing. And I'll have that debate any day. Um, so there's this poll came out in just the news. It's a daily poll. 77% of registered voters do want to protect elections in favor of voter ID laws. So there are some good things. Now I, I want to jump ahead to this article here from David Limbaugh. He says, why does the left want to silence conservatives? Why do rank and file Democrats go along with this? Like I said, it's not just the ones that are doing it. It's those who say nothing. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Leftists have bad intentions, but how about the Democrats who enable them? Good question, David Limbaugh. And uh, as worried as we should be about the hyper-exploding national debt and our inevitable fiscal catastrophe, I'm even more worried about the left's success in turning America into a police state. Ironic, he says, given its simultaneous war on the police. People still able to summon their rational faculties during this pandemic have to be concerned about this insane, concerted effort to control people's thoughts and speech. How can those who purport to rage against the fascism of former President Donald Trump, which was an abject democratic and media myth, promote actual fascism in our culture? It strains the mind to imagine that fair people can deceive themselves into believing that silencing and canceling people for, quote, offensive views is consistent with liberty in our tradition. Some rationalize that because government is not the moving agency in this this censorship and because the Constitution only restricts state action, not that of private entities, there's no violation of our constitutional principle principles. Now, they can lie or fool themselves, but don't let them fool you. David Limbaugh continues. He said, let's not pretend that this consortium of overblown, unaccountable digital oligarchs does not represent an equal threat to our speech. If you can live with censorship by these immensely powerful companies, then you don't believe in the spirit of constitutional liberties. They are just nice-sounding nice platitudes a means to justify their end of gaining control over the people. The left 
has been quite strategic in its sinister plans to silence and control conservatives. If it could sufficiently demonize us, it would emasculate us as effective opponents of its agenda. Leftists have laid the groundwork for decades. Along with their extremist ideas, they are now peddling as mainstream. They've persistently hammered the narrative that conservative speech is inherently hateful and insightful, leading people to violent behavior. Leftists. They framed mainstream conservative ideas and speech as racist, bigoted, homophobic, homophobic, devoid of compassion and hateful. Some conservatives naively claim that the left has so overdone the race slander that it has lost its effectiveness and no longer warrants a response. How can people be so oblivious? The smear is more powerful and malleable than ever. Leftists have exploited it to drive their open borders policy, essentially arguing that America is the first nation in the history of the world that doesn't have a right to control its own borders and pretends it could survive if it were to give up that control. Wow. Um, They're using it to advance socialism, arguing that our, quote, racist past requires us to scrap the founding principle of equality or an equality of opportunity and replace it with equity, a euphemism that means guaranteed equality of outcomes. I've got to jump to um, the toward the end of the article. It's hard to say I'm exaggerating when we when we uh, have a movement to destroy NFL icon Tom Brady because he won't denounce Trump. That when that's commonplace, disgracefully, the censorship. Crusade is being pushed by the very people who have a particular duty to safeguard free speech, i.e. the mainstream Democrat media. Did you see that CNN's Brian Stelter, the network's media watchdog, no less, is freely claiming that cable providers should drop Fox News? He has the audacity to assert that this isn't about freedom of speech, but about freedom of reach. So the adaptable left is employing yet another euphemistic sleight of hand to marshal the private sector to shut down its political opposition. What are these leftists afraid of? Right? They want to chill our speech. What are they afraid of? Truth? Ideas that would actually help people, that would benefit citizens in the country? And Limbaugh says, I'm willing to give many grassroots Democrats the benefit of the doubt in assuming they don't believe that there are movers and shakers and digital media uh, consorts are trying to force uniformity of thought by silencing conservatives. But if present trends continue, they'll have no reasonable grounds to deny the obvious. He wraps it up by saying, I would prefer to think that most Biden supporters would oppose using the awesome powers of digital media, mainstream liberal media, government, academia, cultural shame, and other methods to shut down conservatives, but only time will tell. I'll put that article in today's post at standardforthetruth.com. It's by David Limbaugh. And one more thing that I mentioned earlier, uh, Bill Maher, uh, he makes a living. uh, You know, he's an atheist, I guess. Um, He makes a living at the expense of politicians, movie stars, and the elite, but he's an avowed atheist. He's a Marxist. He also routinely... uh, 
just really criticizes people of faith, especially the Christian religion. And he dangerous rhetoric. He's following rhetoric along with the progressive left, saying that uh, the, he referred to the recent attack on the U.S. Capitol as a faith-based initiative and described Christianity, the Christian theology, as magical religious thinking and a mass delusion. Not many of us are laughing because this is the dangerous rhetoric when you talk about if you think Christians were involved in that, the, the Capitol event uh, last month, then you're mistaken. There were some people, I mean, there were senior citizens there. I would love to have had someone with an overall shot count all the people with white hair and who were elderly and who were Christian. Did they cause the violence? Did they stir up dissension? Did they, did they storm the Capitol? No, there were Antifa thugs that were also in the crowd impersonating Trump voters. But that's we're going to find more truth come out as the days, weeks, and months um, continue here. We'll, hopefully we'll find more truth, but don't expect it from the media. They are not your friend. One more quote, um, and this is from uh, Washington, George Washington. It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will and to be grateful for his benefits and to humbly implore his protections and favors. Oh, to get back to what our founders believed in their vision for America. I'll be right back on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right, so Monday we've got former homosexual George Carneal back with us. And uh, I'm going to catch up with him, Patrick Wood from Technocracy News. He'll be back with us. And Citizens for Free Speech. you got to check out that website. Patrick Wood will be back Tuesday. You will hear from Terry James of Rapture Ready next Wednesday. And Mike Abendroth, Pastor Mike Abendroth from uh, Massachusetts. He'll be with us Thursday, Friday. We're working on a guest. But right now, I just want to encourage you guys Uh, We covered a lot of news, and some of this can be disheartening. So just remember, our mission has not changed. God's love for us has not changed. His care, His protection, and provision. Continue to pray for His will to be done and for wisdom for all of us as we continue to work through these things and try to stand up for truth and be salt and light in our culture. Have a great weekend. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.